Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pamela Riccia, and this is episode number 239 of the podcast. It's the 18th of August, 2020, as I record this intro. And this week, I'm excited to share a lovely conversation with Roop Vaudry. Roop is an unschooling dad, and his wife Susan joined me on the podcast back in episode 220. It was such a treat to get to hear about their family from Roop's perspective, but more than that, we had an amazing conversation about the philosophies of unschooling and entrepreneurship, life, relationships. We covered it all and had so much fun doing it. As a personal update, this week I'm diving deep into the final leg of publishing Roya Dato's book, Connect with Courage. I'm finishing up the proofreading edits and moving into formatting both the ebook and the print book. I'm really looking forward to sharing more about it with you as we hit publication. I just love it so much. And I want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big welcome to new patron, Kathy Haxton. Hi, Kathy. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support not only lets me know that you enjoy the show and want it to continue, it allows me to spend time creating episodes each week and to keep the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's dive into my conversation with Ruth. Welcome, I'm Pamela Riccia from livingjoyfully.ca and today I'm here with Roop Padre. Hi, Roop. Hi, Pam. So just as a brief introduction, Roop is an unschooling dad with two children. His wife's... I know, right behind (laughs) His wife, Susan, was on the podcast a little while ago, and I will share that link in the show notes, but I'm really happy Roop has uh, chosen to join us to share his experience. So I thought that's lovely, having the the two perspectives, the two lenses on it. So to get us started, Roop, can you just share um, a bit about you and your family as a brief introduction? Sure, Pam. So, so we're a family of four. I met uh, Susan almost 19 years ago now. And uh, so we met, well, actually, it has been 19 years. It was 2001. So yeah, 2020, <laughs> right? So, so yeah, more than 19 years ago. And, and we've, we've had a very loving, extremely communicative sort of journey together is the best way I can put it. We, we've always communicated deeply. We've always disagreed strongly we've also always agreed strongly as well and what's been i think the the defining part of uh, my last nearly 20 20 years uh, uh, with with susan is is really the ability to nut out the things that we disagree on and the magic that happens when you realize that all the bigger picture stuff you're already on the same page with so that's been a real, real bonus, really. Like, you know, like we, we might disagree on the smaller stuff, but 
we've never really had to had problems with the bigger stuff. So it's been a real uh, pleasure that way. And we've grown together in the last 20 years. We have these uh, two amazing uh, kids in this photo behind me, Krishna and Nishika. And I, I believe uh, Susan would have shared, we lost a baby along the way, uh, you know, our very first uh, boy that we were going to have. So we've had a bunch of challenges along the way. We lost my mom to multiple myeloma around the same time. And one of my ventures, it seems odd to mention a startup with human life, but it, it's one of those things where when you're starting something, a startup isn't supposed to survive as most, most startups fail, as we know. But so that sort of another one of those things happened as well. We went through uh, a phase where uh, we had a lot of challenges, but together we sort of came through and then Nishika came to our life and then you know, Krishna a few years after. And it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a very fulfilling, happy, loving, challenging, sort of all encompassing sort of journey. And so, yeah, so, and, and here we are. And I mean, I couldn't ask for anything uh, more in, 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 in my life. I love the way you describe that, Ruth. I mean, it, and it is really important to take those moments. Like you were saying how, you know, bigger picture, you know, you've always, you guys have always agreed on, on that aspect. And when you're deep into uh, a challenge, it's, it, it's really helpful and important to pull back a bit and remember those connecting pieces, isn't it? Helps you move through those moments. Very, very, very much so, Pam. And, 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 and that's one of the key, like when I think of our relationship and our family and everything else and the somewhat unusual life, and I'm, so, I'm sure Susan uh, shared uh, some of that with you, but being an entrepreneur, being a career entrepreneur um, has its weirdness. You know, like it's, it's, it's not super structured, but can be ridiculously structured one day, very unstructured the other. And, and, to, to have a family that you're able to be on the same page with more often than not, and to have the communication toolkit amongst ourselves to be able to constantly recalibrate when, whenever there is a, a, a disconnect or there is something that goes out of sync, to have that ability to do that as a family has been the difference between sanity and insanity. You know, so, yeah. so no, it's been brilliant. <laughs> and I will encourage people to go back and listen to Susan's episode because she did talk about the entrepreneurial uh, lifestyle as well and her shifts um, to understanding it better, which helped her understand you better as well, like as a human being and what drove you and how that lifestyle meshes so well with you as a person and your personality. I wondered if you could dive in a bit more because you touched on there <clears throat> about the importance of the communication and and those skills. Um, so yeah, I'd love if you could speak more about that. Sure, uh, sure, Pam. So, I mean, one of the key key sort of bulwarks that our relationship has been built on has been the ability to call what we see and like sort of say it like we see it in a, in a non-confrontational sort of way, in a way that is, there is no question that we're all on the same team, but you know, like there's this old, there's this old quote that's from politics. It's got nothing to do with this, but you'll get what I'm trying to say. Like 
you know how it says that I may disagree with you, but I will fight to the death to defend your right to disagree with me. You know, that's one of the bulwarks of democracy, right? One of the under, underpinnings of freedom of expression, freedom of speech. And, and it's, a, it's a weird segue, but having a relationship where you respect the ability to communicate, the ability to disagree, and not have that cloud the overall fabric of that relationship has been has been critical to our being able to raise a nurturing family to be able to have a loving household and like to get a little bit more specific i know i'm talking in general generalities here still to get a bit more specific i remember a, two two instances if you, if you if you might if you don't mind indulging me one of them was right after one of my earlier ventures uh, had finished up and it wasn't a great outcome. We had lost a bunch of money. We came awfully close to making it, but in tech, it's it's sort of winner takes all, uh, as, you, as you might know. And so at the end of that, it was a significant length of time during which all, we also lost a baby. We also lost my mother and and all of that. And that was one of the most challenging phases of our life. But right after that, we went through a short phase um, where everything was up for questioning, right? You know, the decisions I took in the venture, that's then the, the, the sort of quality of those decisions then sort of leaked into other, other, other parts of my uh, decision-making. And that created some semblance of friction between me and Susan for a, for, for a little bit. And I, I know now like that if we didn't have the ability to take a step back and discuss not just that bigger picture stuff, but when, when, when sort of the going gets tough, the ability to get down to specifics and then really tease out the underlying reason for that for that sort of equation, that sort of dynamic that was starting to form between Susan and myself, you know, we went from a, from a, to a point where I felt that I was being judged for a while. And, and then Susan sort of, we've talked about it multiple times now, Susan sort of unbeknownst to her, to be fair at that time, like she sort of ended up judging me for a bit. And then uh, the key bit was that we kept talking and we kept talking and we kept discussing and we kept discussing and, and sort of got to a point where we, we both sort of realized that this is our life. This is who I am. This is how, this is the person she, she loves as well. And, and so we can choose to sort of make more surface level judgments, but ultimately it comes back to, uh, a decision, right? You have to decide to trust yourself. You have to decide to trust your partner. And, and we, we got to that point fairly quickly. Like it was a matter of months, really, not even a year in our life. It was a matter of months where we, where we got to that. And to the, to the point that when I decided to start another thing, Susan was the one that prevented me from second guessing myself. Because I was more tentative. I was always sort of caught between this idea of, well, should I, or should I not? Should I go to a regular job or, you know? And I remember distinctly she telling me one day, sitting, sitting me down and saying, like at some point, I remember saying that you've got to accept 
that you're an entrepreneur. This is who you are. I have accepted that. I had a slight wobble in that acceptance journey. I have accepted it, but it's important that you accept yourself the way you are without which any amount of acceptance that I have is not going to get us to that next next plane. And so, so that was an amazing sort of outcome as a, you know, in our relationship. And, and so that was one really key inflection point I felt. And another was only a couple of years ago when we um, were again hitting a little bit of a rough patch. We were in San Francisco. I had decided that we'll be spending a bit of time in the Bay Area with the venture. And then it was again a bit of a crisis of belief that we again discussed and got to a point where, again, it was Susan that came around and said, no, no, we're doing this. So, you know, we're not, we're not going to constantly second guess ourselves. And, and there's this old uh, thing that we say in, in Indian movies, like Bollywood, if you like, that says that, you know, it'll all be fine in the end. And if it's not fine yet, that means the movie isn't over yet. I love that. <laughs> so it has to be fine in the end. Because if it isn't fine, that means the movie isn't over. So just uh, keep watching. Oh, I, I love that. That is inspirational as in you keep going, right? You just absolutely, absolutely keep going. You keep going. And what jumped out at me in your stories, which thank you very much for sharing, was how important it is to keep digging. Like you talked about when you're on the surface, <clears throat> it's so easy to like stay there and to just say, oh, you know, this is how it is, you know, yeah. and, and, and keep those judgmental lenses because, you know, conventionally that is kind of the life that we're shown right? Like people are just busy. They're doing their thing. They're following their path. They, you know, clash. Sometimes they clash with people. Sometimes they get along, but so much of it is at that surface. But when you dig deeper, that's when you can actually find where the the conflict or just where the disconnect is, right? So, so often it's a misunderstanding, you know, maybe it's, as, as you said, a lot of that journey, of that first story was Susan understanding who you are as a person and, and how being an entrepreneur meshes so well with who you are as a human being. Right. So, but that took a lot of digging for her and you as well, like sharing who you are. Yeah. So it is so, and we talked about that on the unschooling journey, how, you know, on the surface you can, um, understand intellectually what unschooling is, you know, and and implement that lifestyle in your family. Yeah. But to truly understand it and to help it thrive, you need to dig deeper. You need to truly understand sure. your children, your partner, you know, how unschooling works so that you can support that lifestyle even better. Like it's it's so much richer when you dig deeper into the details, isn't it? Yeah, of course, of course. And, and it's, one of, it's one of those things, right? I mean, you can't live life as a series of Instagram photos. You know, like, yeah. that's not life. Like, that's, 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 I mean, your best life is really all of the messy bits. And even the great bits have messy bits, right? So, 
so and so it's about embracing embracing the, the whole organism of life rather than the the little vertical snapshots that of people often get seductively attracted to get seduced by i should say yeah yeah i i still remember that time on my journey where i realized that my life wasn't trying to get rid of the messy bits or have less messy bits so i could finally have this good life you know at first that's it you know you're striving for this good life all those messy bits are bad things but the realization that yeah. they are just as valuable they are all part of a wonderful full life like the messy bits are just as valuable we learn so much there as well about ourselves about um, the people in our lives you know about the world that it, it's just so valuable like that life encompasses both rather than striving to get rid of one to to have just the other so yeah i love that <laughs> of course of course Okay, so when we connected, you shared some topics that you'd be interested on in touching on. Yeah. And I was really struck by the language you used. I loved it. So I wanted to stay with your wording. So I would love to hear your thoughts on your first point, which was about curiosity and guardrails. And do they complement or compete? Yeah, it was... Yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, bringing that up, uh, up again, uh, Pam. When you sort of emailed emailed me that look, you know, I'd love to have you on, and you know, are there things that you want to discuss and bring up? And I was, I sort of went through and I thought, well, what are the sort of key markers that that we're experiencing as a family? I'm certainly experiencing as a dad and as a person, and and some of the stuff was connected to unschooling, but also in by definition, connected to who we are and who I am as a person, you know, because unschooling and being an entrepreneur sort of goes really well together, I think, <laughs> you know, like, so, and I, and I sort of started looking at it from that, from that perspective as to why are we here? How did we get here? And, and so, uh, you know, we I've always personally, I was raised in a certain way by my parents. My grandparents had a strong influence, uh, both on my father and mother's side. And one of the key things that I grew up with was this idea of basically never losing the ability to nurture your curiosity. I remember my father uh, telling me multiple times, like so many times, you know, you know like he says, and, and again, I'm sure he read it somewhere, but it's one of those things, it's in our family now, that you know, in life, always be careful to get what you like or else you'll be forced to like what you get. <laughs> and, 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 it, and it was one of those things, you know, and, and that, that combined with the idea of just being led by wonder, being led by, by you know, that particular bright star, that particular uh, phenomenon that interests you. That sort of has defined in whatever way or form, me and us and our family, you know? And so, but then all around us, there are frameworks. All around us, there, are, there is regimentation. And so, uh, you know, I, I, Susan and I went for a walk today, just to the grocery store, actually. And uh, we were talking about something and we 
sort of, in fact, talking about, you know, she was telling me how her way of preparing for this call and my way of preparing for this call was so different. <laughs> she made, she had notes and made notes and I, and I had no notes. Like I have made zero notes. And so she's like, this is so you. Um, and, and I'm, but I'm sort of thinking about it. Like I've been thinking about it for the last three days. I just yeah. didn't write it. And so we, we were talking about something where, where, where I remember saying that regimentation is the enemy of creativity. And, and that comes, speaks to this point again, is at what point, like I understand the value of having certain parameters within which perhaps, you know, that's just called society, I suppose, right? I mean, having some parameters and some, you know, from people talk in terms of a social contract and things like that, especially, you know, with everything that's happened with Black Lives Matters and so on, the idea of a social contract that, you know, you expect something from society and you give something back in return. But if you expand that, I mean, the idea of general parameters that you live life by and you pursue happiness, pursue your sense of wonder, you know, the the debate that's in my head always is at what point do those relative parameters need to be completely gotten rid of or do they help you stay in a certain track or do you need little exit ramps, you know, just like on a motorway, right? I mean, like it's in many ways, it's like if life's a journey and you're on, a, on the motorway, you need on ramps and off, off ramps, right? Where if you want to take a detour. So it, it was just that, that thought that I thought was quite interesting, not in terms of having a right or a wrong answer here, but the, the idea of, you know, at what point, and I think breaks in those guardrails is, I guess, I guess what I'm alluding to, which allow you to sort of exit out and then explore some other journey, some other motorway, perhaps. And, and if thinking of life's journeys being a you know crisscrossing of multiple expressways, just a really boring road analogy, um, <laughs> and that's probably the way I interpret this. You know, does that sort of make sense? No, it makes so much sense. It really does. I love that. I love that analogy, that image. The idea, I I love the idea of, you know, societies or conventional wisdom, et cetera, as those guardrails. And, And when we're exploring by wonder, I love that word, wonder, like, and curiosity to me has always been a beautiful way to wake up and pursue our days like truly right what am I curious like that star you know following the star the truth because that is so unique to the person and that is a shiny aspect of unschooling right is that that's what we're nurturing and that's what we're supporting versus you know the curriculum kind of structure and control that that is not individualized but the end so I was just thinking about you know you're when you're bumping up against the guardrails you know it's really interesting to say you know do we have off ramps do we kind of choose where our off ramps are because another aspect too of when you're following your star your curiosity how that changes right right how how you're Your path can, you know, weave here and there. You can be leaving some things behind, moving on to other things. And 
And it's, we learn so much when we bump against the guardrail and back to what we were talking about at the beginning, we dive deeper, right? Understanding how we're meshing with that guardrail. Is that guardrail keeping us safe or is it, you know, keeping us safe and in, in the lane way, or, you know, do we feel it's important enough for us to, you know, hop the guardrail or open a new off ramp because we want to go exploring a little bit off the beaten path. Right. It's just, it is a great analogy (laughs) and, and what a cool way to think about when we bump up against those more conventional norms, you know, those social contracts, because it's not unschooling isn't about tossing everything. It's not a reaction to conventional no. wisdom, right? It's all about seeing which pieces fit well for me as a person, for who I want to be as a person, right? Because we're always growing, changing, and learning, right? So it's it's super valuable to notice when you're bumping up against things and to take that time to dive deeper and understand it because then you can truly choose instead of being a reaction to, to something, right? You can actually make the choice. That makes sense. <laughs> absolutely. 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 I mean, I, I remember a couple of things that I'll just share with you quickly, Pam, you know, something again around guardrails and around rejecting guardrails where, where they don't suit your journey, you know, and, and you sort of making your own exits, if you like. I remember my mom, and again, she had a very strong, I was very close to my mom. She passed away when she was only 59. And, uh, uh, but I was very close to her. And she used to tell me something that's again, le- left an indelible mark in, in how I've grown up and who I've grown up to be so far. And she said, look, uh, if you think, if you think yourself as a creature in a, in a jungle, in a forest, right? We're all, we're all in this world. So she said, if you had to ever pick an animal to be, she said, I wish you would pick an elephant. And, and here's her reason. She said, people talk about the lion being the king of the jungle, all of that. She said, but an elephant follows no one's path. Wherever the elephant goes, it creates a path for everything else to follow. So be the elephant, because what 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 she was basically saying is make your own way, mm-hmm. and you know you create the guardrails for others to potentially follow. But she was talking there was a lesson in leadership and all of that. But and that sort of really stayed with me pretty strongly of this idea of pursuing your journey rather than just following someone else's. And, you know, and that sort of, again, you know, along with this idea of pursuing curiosity and, and so on, I thought I'd, I'd, I'd uh, uh, mention along with this the conversation. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I love all these little pieces. And I'm just imagining you growing up with, you're just sharing a few of those messages that you got. And it sounds, of course, of course, of it course. sounds fascinating. And, and what some beautiful, beautiful kind of, lessons that you like again they're they're the ones you absorb you know i'm sure there were other things that weren't shared but the ones that connected those are the ones that resonated with and you brought them forward so that's beautiful yeah absolutely absolutely and and i mean as you get older you you know we all say this right as you get older you you realize as you become a parent you realize that your parents were pretty wise really you may not have thought of that when you were 16 but but you know and so, and so all of these things that have been 
in your subconscious that have really guided you in your life, they sort of come to the fore because now you're in parenting. You're now, you're now the uh, uh, person that is hopefully adding some value to your children's life and, and providing them uh, some markers that hopefully they will uh, remember one day. So, so yeah. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Now, next you mentioned positive and negative empathy. And I thought that was really interesting. I hadn't heard it framed that way. So can you describe what you mean and, and share how you see those playing out? Sure. So like, there are a couple of, I mean, empathy is generally viewed as a positive term in, you know, when you think of empathy being empathetic, that there is an implied uh, positivity to that uh, term, to the way that we interpret that emotion. There is some research, if you look at some psych literature, I remember reading an article somewhere, like, like in general, negative empathy is still viewed as a positive thing in a sense that you're so overwhelmed by identifying with someone that it negatively affects you. But that's not the context in which I was mentioning this. The way I'm uh, sort of referring to this is there's some research that's, you know, off late that looks at emotion and how people can um, interpret and manipulate emotion. And that's how some of this new terminology around positive, negative empathy, you know, uh, is starting to emerge. And I find that quite, I mean, ignore the terminology for a second, but I find that the underlying bit of you know, you know, as they say, with great power comes great responsibility, right? From Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> so if you're, if you're a deeply empathetic person, that you have extremely high emotional intelligence and you're able to read the other person's emotional state, you're able to uh, assess where they're at. You know, the, the great leaders in business and otherwise have that skill. But you can then use that for good or use that to manipulate. And I find unschooling is a journey of rejecting the ability, because with children, you're so in tune. If you're trying to be on that unschooling journey, you sort of know almost by the time your child gets up in the morning, what kind of a mood they're in, right? So it's, it's the idea of, progressively rejecting the inherent ability that parents have to modify their child's behavior because of their deep emotional, the deep emotional imbalance that actually exists in that equation. You know, it's not quite a power imbalance. You can call it that, but it's really this emotive imbalance, right? The child's emotions are a reflection of you in so many ways. And if you're in a cranky mood, your child's in a cranky mood. And, and, and so being able to identify with your child's emotions and then deliberately uh, and consciously divorcing yourselves from the ability to sort of just influence your child because, oh, it will make you happy as a parent. So the child knows that and then they try to comply and build, it builds a lifetime of resentment. So being aware of that at a hyper level being extremely empathetic and being aware of this, really, it's a very subtle thing. You can flick a little switch and the child will follow your lead 
or you can choose to not flick that switch and let your child exp- under, you know, explore their own emotion, emotional journey with you. So that's kind of what I was trying to allude to uh, in life in general, but also specifically on how that can apply to a family uh, setting with children. Oh, I love the way you describe that. I, I really do. And it, it's really true. And I think that's why I have taken to describing our relationship like as, as the dance of parenting. Because, because it's, it's like, you know, who's leading in that moment. Sometimes when, when you're, you are connected that deeply, that is, that is what we're looking for, what we're wanting with unschooling. And just as parents in general, right? Even, you know what, like, like you said, bigger picture, even if school happens to be in the picture, this relationship with our children is, is a wonderful place to be. And sometimes when you're there, like you said, you, there's that little switch you can flick, but there's also understanding from your child's perspective what they're looking for. Sometimes they would like you to leave. They would like you to flick that and, and fall yeah. away. But as a parent, like, and I love the way you brought power into it, like and spoke about how it's not so much about the power per se, but to understand that we have that ability to manipulate. And I love the way you put it in those terms, because I think that can help people better understand it. I talk about it as looking through our children's eyes, because it's so easy, relatively easy for us to put ourselves in their position and, you know, like put myself in their shoes. Right. But then I'm still looking through my lens of what I think's good. You know, I, you know, for me, my next step would be going in this direction. So that's more comfortable for me. That is, you know, what I would judge as better because that's, that's what I would do in the situation. And if you don't take that step to remove yourself and actually look through their eyes and, and knowing their personality, their goals, their aspirations, their strengths, and their challenges, it can be a step in a completely different direction, right? That, that works best for them. And, and to tease that out and understand that difference so that we're not influencing, and like you said, eventually building resentment because they've been subtly following your path rather than really discovering exactly. for themselves what steps they would like to take, what experiences they would like to have. And because that's where their best learning is too, right? Because this is the choice that they would like to make. Uh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And as parents, I mean, uh, like, absolutely. they want to please us I mean, too, it's like, right? So that gets in the way too. Absolutely. And, no, absolutely, Pam. I mean, you know, I was discussing this only today. I mean, like, Susan and I were talking about, you know, like she was saying, like, I'm wondering, you know, what my interests are, right? Sometimes, like, because I'm, I'm a bit of a geek, I'm a nerd, right? I'll, I'll, I'll die, you know, dig into computing, I'm a bit of a tech nerd. So, and, and so, so it looks, it looks on the surface that I have a bunch of interests. Yeah. And, and because Susan, after a decade of, you know, being a professional, now is, you know, raising our family and I think is doing an incredible job. And, and I'm as far as possible a willing participant when she asked me that, I said, well, no, I mean, the idea of, you know, are you happy, right? I mean, the question is simply, are you happy? The, the, the answer is, well, yes, right? I mean, we're, we're happy. So 
that can't come. Happiness cannot come if you're not pursuing your interests. You know, if you're not pursuing, I mean, so it's not so much, it's the social conditioning we grew up with. Oh, so what are your interests? So, I mean, I remember as a kid, like people are, so what are, what are your interests? And I go, oh, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> and, and like how many, how many eight-year-olds know, oh, what are your interests? What do you want to be when you grow up? Do you know? You know? And, yeah. and, and to, to accept that, look, if we're happy and if we're enjoying ourselves, if we're looking forward to the day, then it must be that it doesn't matter whether we can give, name our interests. It must be that we're doing interesting things that interest us. Mm-hmm. And, and if we can have a life where, even I remember writing on a blog many, many moons ago now about describing me at that time. And, and like, you know, I had to write about me. So I was going, I don't know. This is like nearly 20 years ago. And I went, I, I find interest in interesting things. And that just rings true even today. I just find interest in whatever interests me. And it doesn't matter that we are defining it or not. And if we can imbue that in our kids as well, you know, pursue your interests, but don't worry about labels. Like, are you happy? Well, that means you must be doing interesting things. I love that. I love that because we are so apt to label things, right? And wanting, wanting to have that label so that we know what to do next, right? But no, it's back to the details, right? It doesn't matter the overall surface, the naming of the thing. It's the what next little choice um, feels more fun to you. Like often I'll just bring it back to fun. Like so often I'll sign off on like emails and things. Just have fun. Have fun with it. Play with it. It's all about what seems fun in the moment. The next little thing. Like whatever it is. It's when you can label it, I think, is when is looking back. And I, I kind of think of it as a thread, especially, you know, with kids, but with ourselves too. Like when I look back now at the, you know, what I chose to take in school, what I chose to learn about, what jobs I had over time, and then the choice for parenting and, these, and, and staying home. Like they all seem very different, but I can see the thread of that interest, of yeah. that curiosity, of me that wove through all those seemingly disparate things, right? So it's not about the label and the thread in the moment. In the moment, yeah. it's like, oh, that looks interesting. That looks interesting. Later, you'll see why that was interesting to you personally, but it doesn't matter in the moment, does it? No, it doesn't. And I mean, you just reminded me of this uh, very famous uh, commencement speech that Steve Jobs gave at at Stanford. And I don't know if you've uh, watched it. If you haven't, then I'd highly recommend watching it. And he talks about this very thing uh, on how he simply just, he dropped out of university, but dropped in to whatever interested him and took calligraphy classes to whatever, you know, that that he found really interesting at the time because he says, you cannot connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking backward. So, so get rid of dogma, just let go and be driven by your interest, by your curiosity and trust that it will come together. And, and that's, in, that's, just, that's just magical. Yes, I, I have come across that quote. Yeah, and I used it a couple of times when I was talking about that. And also I love his quote about creativity. And creative people 
how creative people just have had experiences and more time to just let them simmer so that I'm butchering it, but so that new connections are made between those different things. And I was struck by how close that meshed with unschooling when you're following their curiosity, like again, not needing to name it, but in the moment, they're just going for experiences that seem interesting to them. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're collecting. They've got the time to collect all these different kinds of experiences and they also have the time to lie on the couch, <laughs> you know, as well, much that's as, the thing though, like, and, and those absolutely. connections just bubble up in new ways for them. That's creativity, right? Absolutely. It's like, you know, if, if like, if, if we all were able to, you know, just nurture this, this little, the fragile thing that where the, the metaphor really is of being like children on a beach collecting you know, colorful pebbles or shells and things like that. And if that is how you pick up your knowledge, knowing that the, the beach itself is the vast universe of knowledge available, uh, that you could never collect at all. And if you just ended up with your little bag of trinkets, you know, that was uh, interesting and fun to you and, 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 and then looked around and then, you know, that, that's, that's to me, that's if we, we lose that too often. Uh, kids lose that, adults certainly do. And if we can somehow nurture that, that's a little, all children are born with it. Uh, but if we can somehow just nurture that little fragile thing of, of having that sense of wonder and looking at a little shell going, wow, and never getting jaded with that, that then we would have all done some good as parents. Oh, I love that. I love that. And I think that might lead nicely into our next question because you used the phrase creative chaos in play. And I love that image. And, you know, we're talking about creativity. I love the image of of building our own um, collection of trinkets, right? That's so unique to us. It's so much more valuable to a child, to a person, to a human being than somebody handing you, here's here's your stones, your your pebbles. These are the ones that I, as an adult, think that you should gather, right? I mean, that is just so clear <laughs> how different how different that I mean, it's how a, valuable it is to have your own your own collection anyway so creative chaos in play how do you see that so this is something that's that's uh, very close to my heart pam this core idea and it comes from again and i keep alluding to my upbringing my childhood my parents influence and my grandparents because i was blessed I know that now it was normal to me at the time, mm-hmm. but I know that now through scores of interactions with my own peers, you know, with Susan, of course, but also my general professional and peers, as well as my other friends, that there were so many aspects to the lessons that were imparted to me that unbeknownst to me became so much a part of me that, that I'm just so thankful for, for that. And one of those is this core idea of creativity and chaos being literally two sides of the same coin. And, 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 and it comes from, you know, a lot of ancient Indian philosophies as well. The idea of the dance of Shiva, as they say, without going all religious on things, you know, the, the idea of Shiva being the God of destruction, because without destruction, there is no need for creation. 
and without any creation, there is no need for preservation, hence the, the Trinity. And remove the religious connotation, and that's important, I think, in this context, the core idea of that destruction, creation, preservation, that is all around us. And that is inherent in how children play and how they learn. Like when we look at our kids, they might build something, whether it's Lego. Lego is a really you know, easy example here um, that we can quite readily use. And Lego as a company, I have deep respect for because of their serious play and all of the stuff that they do around play and, 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 and creativity and even for adults. But if you look at how children play, they will spend hours free building something that is extremely valuable to them at that point. And then five days later, they'll just break it. They'll just make something completely different. You know, and how many adults have you seen uh, that are crafting a magnum opus that are going to go, you know what, delete. You know, that just, just doesn't happen. We get this, we, as adults, we, as we get more and more, we have these, these barnacles stuck onto us that, that, that complete, continue to weigh us down and become, make us less mobile, less agile in our thinking. You know, I view that as barnacles, right? That, that encrusts us in a way that prevents us from this, having this really nice natural flex that kids have. And, and to me, that is magic. You know, and, and anything that feels that magical, that can, can connect the, the, you know, what ancient philosophies have taken a th- a thousands of years to arrive at, only to go, well, every child has that. So there, you know, so then you go, well, well child is the father of man, right? I mean, you know, you, you, so it makes so much sense when you think of it that way. Okay, so what jumped out for me when you were talking about that? Because so I wrote I wrote a book called The Unschooling Journey, and I ended up you know it follows the hero's journey, and for me the part of choosing a guide. So typically in those stories, you know they're older mentors, right? You know you're talking Obi Wan Kenobi and Dumbledore and stuff. But for me, on my journey, my guides were my children. Specifically because, and, and, you know, when you think about it, like you said, children, they're, you know, beginner's mind, they're not acculturated, they don't have the barnacles on them yet, right? So they make wonderful guides as well. And watching them, exactly what you're talking about, building a big, huge block tower and then kicking it down and then building another one like that taught me so much to watch them in action and just to see what their choices were and to see how little they were affected by, you know, it goes back to that's part of the way that I learned that all the messy pieces of life are wonderful pieces too, because, you know, they throw themselves right into every moment. So, you know, if something goes wrong, they can be super upset about it and, you know, five minutes later, they can be on and joyful about something else. Like, this is all life. It's all flow, isn't it? I mean, because kids are not encumbered by what I uh, would like to call a completionist mindset. You know, like, uh, you know, we're raised to believe that if you've started something, you need to finish it. 
it doesn't matter that you've changed your mind, that maybe you're going, you want to go down this different, uh, uh, you know, rabbit hole in, you know, in Wonderland, uh, in the Wonderland of life. Uh, uh, but no, no, you've started to so see you finish it. And so I, I think that's a terrible thing. Like, no, no, you know, just pursue what makes you happy. And don't worry about finishing things. You know, we'll all be dead one day. So, you know, let, let's not... Let's not find <laughs> neat, neat little drawers for everything, right? It doesn't matter. Uh, and so and kids have that in, you know, in their DNA. Like it's, it's within us. So we just have to not stomp it out. Yes, exactly, exactly. That's what so much of it is. It's not putting those things on them. Uh, because they have such a wonderful approach. And when you hang out with older, unschooled kids, you see that. As they get older, you can see more and more difference because more conventionally, you know, raised kids, kids in school have have started to take on those, I, I don't know what you want to call them, that weight, really. To me, it feels like a weight, but that completionist attitude, that worry about what other people are thinking that stay in your lane, you know, all the different images and analogies that we, because, we, because society, you, absolutely. Because society tends to reward completion yeah. rather than rewarding excellence, rather than rewarding curiosity, rewarding, you know, you can be, you can try something and fail and you should be as celebrated for trying because people are too afraid to try, you know? So, it's it's things like that the kids have within them, you know, like that is so important to nurture. Anyway, I interjected. Yeah, no, no, but that's exactly it too, right? And that Sir Ken Robinson's talk about how schools and that is the conventional wisdom of parenting, I think, too, kill creativity and curiosity, like just totally through that judging, through the grading, through the insistence on completion, through not celebrating the effort, even though, you know, they talk about it, but the way the system is set up for the grades and for the show your work and everything like, so no matter what the words say, the system is still sending those messages because we absorb those messages just as well from our environment, from the framework that we're living in, not just the things that we're told. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we, we talk about it, I mean, at home and I've, and I've had, I've shared this perspective, maybe not a very popular one, to you know our regular non-unschooling uh, friends as well. It, you know, we talk about classical education, school education. You know, and again, schools are trying, and I know that you know there's plenty of different schools that are trying different things. But what what has to be recognized is that mass education is the industrial revolution applied to education. Therefore, it's it's not the best way to disseminate it's the cheapest way to disseminate mass education. So it doesn't matter whether it's private school or public school, it doesn't matter. It still comes back to, it is mass manufacturing of, of, of you know, edu- so-called educated kids. So it's time to question that, irrespective. You know, this is 300 years old. You know, let's go back to, you know, ancient civilizations. What did they do? How did they nurture education? It wasn't about, let's put 500 people in a room. I've taught kids, you know, I've taught, I mean, I've taught at university and there'd be a marketing course that's a compulsory course. There'll be 400 bored kids that, that don't want to be there, you know. So it's, it's about 
you know, it's, it's recognizing that, that it's not about let's move away from that industrial revolution mass production mindset. You know, producing educated kids is not the same as producing, you know, 10,000 cans of beans. It's the same mindset, you know, so it's, it seems commonsensical, but yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's a great point. Uh, and, and I, I, how the system came about is, is very interesting. And the realization, I think, you know, that I think that's part of the journey too, is realizing how relatively new that system is, like you said, you know, since the industrial revolution and, and you can understand how the system is the way it is because what its goal is, right. You know, its goal is to educate children, but like you said, mass education of children. Anyway. Yeah. I don't want to get deep into that, but it is a valuable point when you're choosing something different, right? You're, we're choosing of course. individualized nature versus, you know, the more system-based mass nature. And then you get into the whole, you know, idea of, of that choice and figuring out ways to make that choice work for your family. You know, it's, 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 you also see so many creative ways too, that families are making it work just because if that becomes a priority, if it becomes a choice that they want for their own family, right? It's very, it's just as individual how families make unschooling work for them. It's just as unique and fun as it is for each of the kids too, right? Of course, of course, of course. Okay, so the last point you mentioned, knowledge is free, pedagogy isn't, and it's ongoing relevance. So I love the way you framed that. So what are your thoughts around it? What were you thinking when you put that phrase together? So it's, uh, there's a quote, I think, I forget who, who said it. It's a really famous quote. Rousseau, some, some French guy, I think it was, that says, man, man is born free, but everywhere he is in chains. And, and I think that speaks to, you know, limitation, all limitations are in the mind. So when I, when, I, when I look at it, I mean, the pursuit of knowledge, for the first time, and you think about universities, you know, why did universities exist? Go back a thousand years, you know, the world's first modern university was in Italy, and then go back even further, then you've had, uh, you know, Eastern uh, civilizations that have had some way of, uh, way of a university-like teaching before as well. But why did universities exist? I mean, universities were the custodians of knowledge. They were the gatekeepers as well as the creators and the custodians of available knowledge. And the last 30 years, for the first time in human history, we have access to the world's knowledge literally on our phones, at the tip of our fingertips. And yet we are left with the vestiges of attributing value to how you acquired the knowledge, not the knowledge itself. So that's what it's, that's what we're left with. If you really think about it, you know, earlier going back 200, 400, 300 years, how you acquired your knowledge was connected to the fact that you couldn't acquire knowledge in any other way, you know, but, but now you have open curriculum, you have, MIT giving away their their resources. You have, you know, let me, if you go to tactical, you know, things. I mean, uh, massive open online courses. You have uh, Harvard giving away their curriculum and their 
lecture notes, the whole bit. So, and this is not even talking Google and Google searches and Wikipedia, right? I mean, this is, I'm just saying the structured custodians of knowledge in the world are readily giving away access to the knowledge and are now trying to differentiate based on, well, you can have all of this information if you, if you want to learn, you should not be prevented from learning. But if you want to learn the way we want you to learn, then you pay money. And so I find that that transition is quite a significant one. You know, so knowledge itself should have inherent value. And we're still transitioning as a, as a, as a species now to realizing that, hang on, if you know, that should be enough. Not where you got that knowledge from and what is the evidence of that knowledge. And so that dichotomy is not just interesting from an academic standpoint, but also to me that's this transition that organizations, if, that, if they you know, carry themselves through this transition, they will survive because the, the, the avalanche, the flood of knowledge as an available thing um, is going to subsume them otherwise. So I, I feel the idea of knowledge um, being available to whoever cares to want to learn as opposed to holding on to the old school which says, no, no, unless you went through these halls, your knowledge is not worth anything. Uh, that seems pretty archaic. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great point too. And you see also, you know, we've seen on some companies' part, them taking out, starting to take out the requirements for, you know, just like a general college degree, you know, stuff like that, and focusing more on the knowledge itself, understanding now that people are able to amass the knowledge themselves. And, and that the beautiful thing about it is the people that have done that are the ones who are most interested in it. Because at this point now, if you're not being at it, right, you're taking it, you're pursuing it and you're bringing it in yourself. So imagine as a company, who would you want someone who, you know, was, given the knowledge and then told, you know, there's your next step, apply for a job here, or someone who's interested enough, who's chosen to learn those pieces. And, you know, like you said, it's all there. So they're actually choosing over other things to pursue this knowledge and under starting to understand the value of, you know, I want that kind of person who is actually interested in the kinds of things that we're doing as a company, not, you know, followed that guardrailed path and just been told what they should, because the difference in the learning too is, is like night and day sometimes. I think most often, of and, course. you know, because when you're just learning what you're told to learn, it's not connecting with you as a person. So it's more to me anyway, and, and looking back at my own career at uh, school career, you know, university did well engineering you know, how much of that I learned and lost later because it wasn't something that, you know, fed my soul. It wasn't something that I used every day, right? It wasn't, even when I went into an engineering position, I ended up within a few years, I was working in systems 
and computers, you know, and designing systems, but for, you know, in that engineering area, supporting the, the company. But it's fascinating to see how that thread, talk about threads again, you know, wove through so much. And I took that whole degree and everything, which got me into a place, but it's still, I still navigated my way, not even consciously. Of course. But because that's what Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And so I loved it. So I was really good at it, you know, so that is just where I went. And, you know, what if we could let people do that right from the get-go? Just what is curious to us? Oh, exactly. Let's pursue that. Uh, absolutely. Knowledge, and out we go into the world. Absolutely. I mean, like I look at my my own journey as a as a technical person. I mean, I'm a I'm a weird hybrid. Like I'm a I'm a marketer as well as an I mean, so I have an engineering background, uh, but also so I'm a weird, you know, left and right <laughs> side brain person. Yeah. Uh, so I'm quite a creative, artistic. At, at the same time, I'm quite deeply logical, which is an entire challenge in and of itself. But but like I've I realized like a few years ago I wanted to delve into a specific kind of uh, programming and I had never really been a hardcore programmer in my life like we're talking like I I'm 46 now so I'm talking when I was probably 42 um or 41 when I thought well I find that really interesting so I got into statistical programming turns out it's a it's called data science and turns out it's a really cool skill to have. I had no idea. I had, I wasn't even thinking that I, I, I said, well, cause I was doing a PhD at the time and uh, speaking of pursuing different rabbit holes, I have spent four years across two PhDs without completing a single one of them, which is bizarre. Each time I end up starting a company and I go, well, I'll go to juggle both. And I realize no, I'm just going to run the company. But I, I decided I wanted to learn statistical programming because that was the most efficient way to do something. And, and before I knew it, I ended up starting a company that had that sort of thing baked into what we do from the get-go. I had no idea. And, and this is like talk of teaching an old dog new tricks, right? I mean, I had no interest. And here I was doing fairly complex things because I was interested in it. And, you know, that comes back to, you know, availability of knowledge. I mean, I don't care about the piece of paper that tells me I know because I know I know, you know, that's kind of, I'm knowing for myself, not, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, tying that back to unschooling and with our kids, you know, when, cause that's one of the first questions you get when somebody hears, you know, you're unschooling. Well, how do you know they're learning? They still have to do tests, right? You know, that because that's what's so ingrained in people yet we are with our kids. We're seeing them in their days. Like, we see what they know. We and not through asking them. Like back to the interest. It's not like, well, what are you interested in today, honey? No, <laughs> it's not the that's more surface, that bigger picture level. It's like, what do you want to yeah. do today? How do you want to feel today? You know, what would? It, it, it's all about those those little pieces. Those actually engaging in our days, right? It's it's so fascinating to think of that difference. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, uh, like, well, yeah. We won't trust you that you're passionate enough to know. We'll we'll give you 17 questions that will tell us everything we need to know about how much you know. Yeah, brilliant. I guess, <laughs> so, so. <laughs> 
Oh, no, that was like one of my favorite things, especially because sometimes kids also have, you know, they have flows to their days as well. You know, they they can, that's the other lovely thing is, is that learning isn't like in steady steps, like in, in school, you're led to believe, you know, you learn this thing today and the next thing tomorrow and the next thing tomorrow, and they're pretty equal steps. Whereas, you know, when you see kids, again, as your guides, learning in action, like it can be diving in deep and totally into it for hours at a time. Other days, it can look like lying on the couch and you're just like zoning out kind of deal. And people start to worry, but you know, they don't, they're not doing anything, but they really, really are. Those are just as important. Yeah, I, I, that baffles me though. You know, that perspective baffles me, Pam, like, because I, being an entrepreneur, like I know, like I have de- if, if if someone told me every morning, 9.30 a.m., I have to do the exact same topical area, I, I, I'm going to go mental. Like, I'm, go, I'm going to go crazy. Like, there are times where I've done the best work I could have thought of at 3 in the morning. And there are times where I've done that at 5 in the morning. You know, one being I got up early, one being I slept late. And, <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and there'll be times where in the middle of the day, I'd be wandering around, like looking unsure and restless, but it doesn't mean I'm not, you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, yep. it's, it's, it's going with whatever works at that time. It's not about creating artificial regimentation and hoping it all fits in that time, time yep. frame. So, and kids, you can see that naturally, like they, you know, sometimes they're really productive in their own way. And other times they're, their mind's working. They don't look that way, but it doesn't matter. You've got to trust that the human condition is designed to absorb irrespective. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. That's beautiful because it really is. That's where you get to. And that is how human, human beings, I'd say function, but that that's how they shine, right? It's, letting without putting that control that framework on top of them they they just they naturally do like we are born to learn right we are naturally curious as we said it's it's about not putting all this other weight all this other framework on top of them and letting them be the natural human beings that they are and it's just amazing to watch which leads to the next question beautifully. What's your favorite thing about the flow of your unschooling days right now? Yeah, that's a great question, actually, Pam. I mean, I was sort of mulling um, over that earlier today, and there's so many things that I love about our unschooling journey. Like, it's 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 actually hard to pick. I mean, I mean, the obvious one is is the gift of time, the the flexibility and the ability to, I mean, it sort of goes together with my entrepreneurial journey, actually, because it allows, I mean, because I have more flexible work hours and because my kids are around, I can take some time off in the middle of the day and we can go Pokemon hunting and we can come back and I can get back into work. And I would not give that up for anything. Like I, I find the ability to have the, the best way to describe it is that our structure is the lack of it. Yes. And, 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 and that is, um, 
magic uh, to me because it allows me to dip into their life when I when I'm able to, and and then dip in and dip out because of my work as well. But allows me that flexibility to dip in and dip out, and they also know that they're around. Like I don't have a door to my study, like there is no door. So I don't have a dynamic in the house where if I'm in the study, no one's allowed to come into the study because, oh, the door's locked. No, kids understand. Kids will come in. Sometimes I'll be in the middle of a call and Krishna will come in and say hi. And why not? And so I just love that kind of flexibility. So time and flexibility is, I think, you know, the best gifts of this journey. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll link to, I, I have a call called The Gift of Time because that's what we were talking about because that is something I think that Wonderful. unschooling so unique and it is a huge gift of, of the lifestyle because that is something that we're so often led to believe we don't have time. We need to keep busy. We need to be productive. You know, all those messages, those completionist messages that can re- that really do steal your time and that time to do what we're drawn to as a human being. Oh, I love how this, it all just goes full circle, doesn't it? Really? It's like a, absolutely, absolutely. a lifestyle. So as an unschooling dad, what piece of advice would you like to share with dads who are just starting out on this journey? That's another great question, actually, Pam. I've given it some thought, I mean, ever since you said that. And I, I suppose in many ways, being on this journey, you sort of have those bits of advice, whether solicited or unsolicited, <laughs> that you tend to hand out to people. And, and, and so this was about me sort of collating some of the bits that didn't annoy people the, uh, that much and going, well, what, what can I share here that won't irritate, um, <laughs> you know, it could be a piece of advice that, you know, five years down the road, they go, oh, now I know why he said that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, like as we, in, in, my, in my company, we talk about insight being inherently useless. Actionable insight is the only thing that's valuable. You know, so in, in the spirit of actionable insight, okay. insight, you know, something that can happen eight years down the track, sure. But what can you do tomorrow and the next six months? I, I, I think that two key bits, one is, and I can't stress this enough, but one is to actually delve into what this means. Don't expect everything to just happen magically. Like this is the advantage of that we have in this world today that if you have some intuition, backup intuition and the curiosity that led to that intuition with, with actual, you know, and sort of read, empower yourself with, with the knowledge that is available, like we, as we've spoken, right? So I think there are too many people that, and I've actually learned a lot of that especially in this journey and some other things around this from my wife. I mean, uh, even when we, you know, the way we decided to have our babies and so on, she would empower herself with knowledge that is readily available. So if you have the curiosity to explore something and then you have some intuition around it, that's all great. It's a great starting point, but that does not make a successful journey in and of itself. You know, 
because you, you can get frustrated and then you're going, well, it's too hard. I'm not going to do it. So read, empower yourself, you know, whether it's this blog post, uh, this um, uh, podcast series, your book, or a multitude of other resources available on the web around this idea, that's, I think, really important. And that's, that's something anyone can do. So not knowing, not going to a first principles approach, not empowering yourself with knowledge, you know, then there's no excuse. So that's one thing. And the other, which is a bit more tactical that can be done without reading a lot of things, I think is deciding to trust your children more than you would otherwise be, you know, given to doing. So, you know, the protective instinct of parent of parents often gets sort of mixed up with not allocating enough trust. And I think a big part of this journey is not to not be protective, by all means being protective, that's part of instinct, that's nature, but also balancing your protectiveness with allocating trust. It's a very simple leadership thing that we do in companies. If you say that I trust that you will do this, that person is more likely to redeem that trust than if you constantly second guess the person. So trusting your kids and knowing that they will, you know, fall down, but so do adults. I mean, adults fall down metaphorically all the time. So, you know, it's not about avoiding error. It's about trusting that we're all looking to find the answer. And so I think that is something that people can do literally overnight. You have to decide to do it. It's a bit of a journey, but you can, you can decide to do it every single time. And the other is read. Okay, so those were amazing. <laughs> and Thank you. So much so, like the, 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 the trust piece. Because I, I love the way you're relating it and connecting it with your entrepreneurial experience. Because it is about being human, right? So much of unschooling is about diving in to supporting and respecting who we are as human beings. Like, and that so much of that has been removed from our lives through all those, you know, control and protective aspects. But taking that step to realize that this is how humans work, like, because it's totally true, whether it's with an adult or, or, and you don't even need to use the words with, with children because it's so innate, but with adults, you just, I trust you. I trust that you're going to do this, you know, handing this to you. And if you need help, just come ask, right? Exactly. And, and that exactly. that truly means I'm not going to come asking you every day or every two days, how's it going? How's it going? Because if yeah. there was a hiccup, you were going to come to me, right? Because we've given yeah. this to you, right? That is, you can totally, children are so capable of that trust. Absolutely. Because they're, they're human, I mean, right? Yeah. And you've set up a relationship Absolutely. where they're going to come to you when they, they need help or when they want exactly. help. And mistakes are not bad things anymore. Like we were talking about before, the messy 
bits are all part of life. That's all how we learn, right? Yeah. I mean, we, we actually, we're building a newsletter in our, in our business and we call it win or learn. There is no third thing. So either you win um, or you learn, you still learn either way, but you know, it's not about, it's taking away uh, a negative connotation from lose. Like there's no such thing as losing. Yeah. You're always learning, you know? So, yeah. And those, that, those learning pieces are how you tweak your path, right? Of course. You know, that's how you're figuring out your journey. You're taking, figuring out your next step, your next step. And you only lose when you stop. <laughs> Bringing that full exactly. circle to exactly. the beginning that we were talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. If it hasn't worked out, keep going. <laughs> yeah, but, absolutely, absolutely. Tweaking along the way. And then your your piece about learning and diving deeper, right? The The first piece of advice. So much I talk about take the journey, you know, and that, that was part of the idea behind the unschooling journey book is because it is so important to keep learning about unschooling, about how this works, about how human beings live life, because then you understand it, right? So there's, you know, there's the trust piece, but it's not trust like in the process without understanding it. It's like, you can say, okay, you know, I want to take this path, but it's also so important to keep learning about it so you understand it because then at that point it becomes a truth. It becomes a point where you understand it enough that when a situation comes up that you haven't had before, you don't have to go running to other people for advice like, oh my gosh, this just happened. You know, I don't know what to do here. But when you understand that lifestyle and just the relationships and, and the kind mm-hmm. of um, parents you want to be, like when you've done that thinking and that reading to really understand it, you can be in that moment and take that next step, right? Not having Absolutely. to in fact, kind of call a timeout and go run out to, oh, I didn't know about this. This is different than this little original piece. Now I'm stuck, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I get reminded of, of a quote again, growing up again, I've made so many references to my uh, childhood here. So uh, growing up in my study, my grand, my grandfather had a, had a quote from the Buddha framed on a big poster uh, just above my you know, study table on the wall. And, uh, and it basically comes back to this question of trust and, you know, the idea of sort of trust, but verify that kind of thing. Yeah. It says it said believe nothing merely because you have been told it, or because you because your teacher said so, but only after verification do you find the truth and cling to it and take it as your guide. Something like that, mm-hmm. and and it's just so so important, you know, in all of this, you know, no blind trust. That's how you you know, create cults. Um, you know, trust, verify, empower, and and that sort of how it goes. So yeah, I just got reminded of that as you was as you were talking. I love that. And and I what I love is that was the other piece of doing that book was going out and finding other stories and seeing the same kind of language of stuff, you know, written thousands of years ago, ideas, you know, that fundamentally say the same things because this is about being human. You know, it really, when, yep. when you dig into unschooling, it's really not about not going to school. 
you know, of course, so <laughs> much more than that, right? <laughs> you know, it's a yeah, exactly. exactly. It's life. It's a, it's a it's a lifestyle. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It's a way of life. Well, thank you so much, Roop, for taking the time to speak with me today. It was so much fun. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You're, you're most welcome, Pam. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed this chat. I mean, I was entirely um, expecting to have a fun conversation with you. And I think uh, that's exactly what I've had. I mean, uh, it's been a privilege. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much. And before we go, where might people get in touch with you online if they'd like to connect? So I can uh, give you an email address. Uh, do you want me to uh, say say it out uh, in the in the That's okay. podcast itself, I, you or can send it to me, and I'll I'll put it in the show notes if people would like to just read yeah, yeah. So, about some of the ideas. Yeah, because it's I mean uh, it'll be hard to I mean I can I, I guess I can say it. So it's okay. It's at dot com, but we spell it as e n g a g three d dot com. So instead of an e d, it's a three d. So rupertengaged dot com. So but I'll give you the you know, details. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Well, thanks so much again, Roop, and have a wonderful of course. evening. <laughs> yep, yep. Thanks again, uh, Pam. It was lovely. I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes. The conversations never go out of date. And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.